Good evening to everybody. Let's be sure we remember Dave Grimes as he gets ready for hip replacement surgery tomorrow. And uh, be praying for Sue as well as she's there for him and with him through all of this and the recovery. And uh, let's remember Elaine's mom also. She is no longer in ICU. She's been downgraded to a regular room, I believe, at this time. In between? Yeah, she's probably in ICU. Okay. All right. Um, Please continue to keep her in your prayers. We're going to, we're going to finish up this series <clears throat> that I've been doing over the last several weeks. And we've had, a, I believe, a couple of uh, um, breaks in that time. And so it hasn't been every single Sunday night. But, but uh, we're looking at, at the fourth part of this, and we'll conclude it this evening. We're talking about putting the devil out by letting God in. And a lot of people don't realize that if you want God to be in your life, you've got to put the devil out. There's, there's no mutual, uh, mutual habitation within the life of an individual for the devil and God. It's one or the other. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind and uh, make that commitment as well. So it's not just an intellectual making up your mind. It's got to be a commitment. I'm not going to walk with the devil anymore. So you've got to consciously have in your mind, I'm not going to live that life that I used to live. I'm not going to act the way I used to act. I'm going to walk with God. And if we slip up, then we need to repent of that and ask God's forgiveness and try to make that right as well as we can. And that get, then get back on track. So as we come to the conclusion of this particular study, uh, we remember that James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, has two parts. First, James says, submit to God. That's part one. Part two is resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We cannot resist the devil effectively without submitting to God. And if we're going to submit to God, we're making up our mind. If we're going to truly submit to God, we're making up our mind, I'm going to walk away from the devil. I'm going to resist him. And James says, and of course, James is writing God's word here, you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Then he goes in, in, into a second line, basically parallel to what he's just said, submit to God, resist the devil. And then he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And there's resisting the devil again. So parts one and two again, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we have to make the choice, and it has to be a conscious, committed choice. The only way to truly beat the devil is by drawing near to God. Now, some people, again, they try to, they try to do it in some other way because they don't want to, they don't really want to walk with God. They don't, don't really want to make a, a godly commitment in their lives. And so they think they can be a good person, quote unquote, without really walking with God. No, it doesn't work. It's either or again, there is no middle road. There's no compromising along the way. In Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, flush, for the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now there's the two sides again. 
the two sides. If we're going to walk in the spirit, that is walk by the teachings of God's word, live our life by those teachings, then we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not be walking with the devil. We will not be living sinful lifestyles. And because the two are incongruous, they do not go together at all. They are contrary to one another. They're at opposite ends of the spectrum. So again, we've got to make up our minds. It's an either or situation. And so we talked about the conflict. Matthew chapter six and verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will, hold, he, will, he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, the clear choice, the conflict, two ways of life. And we looked at what the Apostle Paul laid out from his own personal life experience when he's talking about, I, 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 do, I don't understand some of the things I do because I don't want to do those things. And some of the things I want to do, I don't do. And he said, there's this conflict, this battle going on within me. And, and so he's, he's wondering, how do I overcome this? Why do I keep doing things I don't want to do? Because I want to live a godly life. I, I don't want to commit sin in my life. And then some things that I want to do in serving God, walking with God in faithful obedience consistently, I end up not doing. What, what, what's, the, what's going on? but it's this inner conflict he recognizes. So he says, I see another law in my members warring against the law in my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he says, oh, wretched man that I am because of this conflict going on. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he concludes, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, if I let, my, if I let the flesh take over. And so verse 25 is key again. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the realization Paul came to in whatever conflict we might face in life, Philippians 4 and verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is our key. Again, we don't want to be involved in sinfulness. We don't want to be involved in wickedness. We don't want to live according to the fleshly, worldly ways that the devil confronts us with. We've got to walk with God. We've got to make up our minds. There is no middle ground again. So we started looking at some avenues of, of putting the devil out. And so we noticed the contrast between two, the two lifestyles. And then we, we talked about how friendship with the world is enmity with God or puts us in a position of strife with God. And so we've got to recognize that. And, but it's the same basic principle. I can't walk in worldly circles and still be walking with God. You know, there are times when we have to come to the realization I, I can't stay with these friends that I've had for these last several years or maybe many years because having them, associating with them, being close to them, taking part in their ways is sinful. And I recognize that now. So I have to let them go because I want to be in heaven. And to be in heaven, I've got to walk with God. So I've got to walk away from them. 
And that might sound harsh to some people, but in some cases, that's what becomes necessary because again, it's a choice that I have to make and a commitment that I have to make. So then we also noted that uh, Jesus illustrated graphically the importance of not just avoiding evil, but of actively pursuing godliness. And we looked at the, the illustration that he used about, uh, about the man who, who had, had a demon and the demon was cast out. And so the demon left him and he comes back after a while and he finds the man's life basically, you know, clean, but it's empty. The man, when the demon was cast out, the man did not replace the demon with God in his life. And so the demon just moved back in and brought seven other demons with him, more powerful than he was. And so the text tells us in Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 26, that the ultimate end of the man was worse than it was to begin with. Well, so we come to the conclusion here, and that is that we must actively focus on not letting the devil have any foothold in our personal lives. Now that again is a determination that we have to come to. I'm not going to let the devil in. I'm not going to give him any space in my life. Now, will I make a mistake here and there? Will I stub my toe? Sure, because we're fallible, we're human. But I'm not gonna let him have a place in my life. I'm not gonna let him have any small corner in my life wherein he might have controlling influence over the way I act, over the way I live. So we wanna ask the question, how can we do that? We look at, we, we must actively focus on not letting him have any foothold in our lives. Now, Ephesians 4 and verse 27 emphasizes that point. Short verse, but it says, nor give place to the devil. And the sense there is don't give him any place in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22, the apostle said basically the same thing, but he said it in a different way. He said, abstain from every form of evil. I like a, a, another translation that says abstain from every appearance of evil. And so if we're abstaining from every appearance of evil, then we're abstaining from every form of evil. And, and you know, it, it's, it's the idea, let's say somebody is really struggling with obesity. And so they're, they're saying, I've got, the doctor says, look, you've got to lose a certain amount of weight or you're going to die. You're, you're overtaxing your heart. You're gonna start overtaxing other organs within your, within your system. You've got, to, you've got to stop overeating. You're just obesely overweight. And so the person says, okay, I, I, I get it. I'm gonna to try to do that. Well, the worst thing it can do in that case is, is go into you know, a candy store or go into a malt shop or you know, go to a party that, that is just filled with all kinds of foods that he used to just go crazy eating. Or let's say the alcoholic who has, uh, has, has, has come to the point where he realizes I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop drinking. What the worst thing he could do is go to a bar. You know, I, I heard a fellow telling one time, he was telling the story of his own life. He was an alcoholic. He was a, a you know, just a 
horrible alcoholic. Ended up ultimately killing some people while he was drunk, drove a car over them. But at one point he said, I decided I was gonna quit drinking. So what did he do? He went to the bar to tell his friends, I'm gonna quit drinking. And they said, that is great, you know, have one for the road. And you know what happened, he got drunk. He didn't quit drinking. What about a drug addict who, who, who comes to the point where he realizes his abuse of drugs is killing him and destroying his relationship with his family and friends and so on. He can't hold a job because he's always, you know, on drugs. And, and so the worst kind of company he could keep is going back to the, to the friends and associates and maybe even family members who contributed to his drug addiction to begin with. He's got to make a break. If, we, if we're going to walk with God, we've got to put the devil out of our lives. And we cannot put the devil out of our lives effectively without walking with God. And so we must actively focus on not letting the devil have any foothold in our personal lives. So how can we accomplish that? Well, first, we have to put away sinful mindsets. And we have to put away the practices of those sinful mindsets and focuses that have been in our lives, we have to put them out of our lives. We have to make a, a choice, we have to make up our minds, and then we have to start implementing the process, putting it into practice. Second, we need to replace those old sinful focuses in our lives with practices uh, and, and practice an active godly focus and lifestyle. We look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 25. And I want us to look through this particular text of Scripture um, verse by verse. Verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, this is going to touch on several different, quite a few different sinful practices. It's not going to touch on all of them that are out there, probably not going to touch on, on some of those that you and I have had to, to deal with, we've had problems with in our own personal lives. But the principle is what we want to look at. So we have to actively focus on putting the old sinful mindsets and, and practices out of our life, and we have to replace those with godly focus and practices, a godly lifestyle. So verse 25, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Put away lying. So we need to put lying away from our behavior. Now, now why is it not just a good idea, but it's actually a commandment from God. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their, plate, their, their, their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So a lifestyle that characterizes lying on an ongoing basis is a lifestyle that will end up with the person, the eternal soul, being in hell. That's what, that's what it's warning here. So we need to understand that, and so we need to make up our minds, 
even sometimes when it is inconvenient, I'm always going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie anymore. We move to verse, uh, we look also at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. And here Jesus said along this line, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Our word should be our bond. When we speak it, it should be authoritative from it in our mind and also to the person who hears it. We want people to trust what we say as being truthful. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, we need to try to make things right as quickly as we can. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 37 and verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. What ultimately develops from anger? It can, ulti- it, it can develop into bitterness, hatred, even violence. And so just nip it in the bud by just not letting anger take control of us. And again, make things right as quickly as you can. Verse 27, we go on, nor give place to the devil. Well, we've already talked about that. We can't let him have any influence in our life. Because Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, devil's active. He's after you. He's after every one of us, if he can get us. And so be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, in other words, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. God's word will guide us to the pathway to the lifestyle of faithfulness and dedication a lifestyle of godliness. So walk with God and the devil will have no place in your life. And that's the basic principle that we've been trying to get across in this series of studies. We move on, we look at James chapter four, verses seven and eight, as we looked at earlier. We come right back to that basic text that we have been looking at over and over again uh, through this particular series. And and it's that principle again, submit to God, Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We move to the next verse, and that's verse 28. And so, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to, uh, to him who has need. So the idea of productive, honest labor to make our living, to make our living. In Matthew 19 and verse 8, Jesus said, uh, rather the, the young man said, you know, when he came to him, the rich young man, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have an inherit eternal, eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. That was his initial response. And the young man said, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not steal. That's one of the commandments. You shall not bear false witness. And so I wanted to highlight that one, you shall not steal. Because what is, what is this verse we're looking at in this base text of, of uh, uh, verses 25 through 31 in, in Ephesians chapter, chapter 4? 
do not steal. Be honest. Earn your living and so on. Okay. Earn an honest living and help those truly in need. We've talked about um, in the Wednesday night class, we, we looked at an entire lesson under the heading of good works which God has prepared for us to be involved in as Christians. And one of those good works, and it's a good work, one of the, one of the three areas of work that the church is, is instructed to pursue and take part in, and that is, that is uh, benevolence, help people in need where that is appropriate and where we are able to do that. And so here in, in uh, verse 28 of, of, our, of our text this evening, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. We need to understand that physical labor or whatever the job might entail, it might just be you know, sitting behind the desk at a computer or maybe it might be you know, writing or it might be teaching a class you know, at, at a school or whatever, but that's good productive labor. It's earning a living, it's, it's honorable. And so that's what, what the, the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in this particular verse of scripture in this series of these different uh, sinful pursuits that he is teaching us against one by one. Verse 29, we go on. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. We need to, we need to keep our tongue under control. Under control, always. Colossians 3 and verse 8, but now you yourselves put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Filthy language out of your mouth. I've recently done some teaching, you know, in, in, in some of our podcasts. I, I made the point, we probably all know people who almost never speak the name of God or of Christ except through profanity. If they're going to say God or if they're going to say Christ, it's going to be in a vulgar way. It's going to be in cursing fashion. And that's just about the only time they use the two names. How sad that is. And do they expect that, that somehow they're going to be in heaven when they talk that way almost exclusively about God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Cursing, vulgarity, profanity, swearing, that's not okay. That's not okay if we're going to live a life of godliness. That's a life where we've let the devil have a place in our life and have influence over us in the way that we're living and we have to put that aside. Now for some people, because that has been their way of life, just like with some people. Uh, alcohol has been their life, drugs have been their life, you know, sexual immorality has been their life. It, it's, it's gonna take some time for them to be able to overcome that fully, and it's gonna be a, a struggle within their life that they're gonna have to keep praying about, keep focusing on, and keep exercising for some very focused self-discipline 
But with God's help, what did, what did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, as we noted earlier. So build up and encourage your family members around you and other people around you, work associates and so on, neighbors, friends, with wholesome speech, with wholesome speech. Now for some, some for a person making that transition in their life, for some of their associates, that may seem odd, it might make them uncomfortable, but that's on them. It's not on, it's not on you. They, maybe they'll get to the point where they need to recognize that they need to change their speech to a more respectful tone and wording. Maybe you can help them see that need and make that transition. Verse 30, as we go on, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not seal, the, uh, do, not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What a great and important instruction that is. Well, James writes about that as well in James chapter four, verses four and five. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, what does that word enmity mean? Strife, it puts us into a position of strife or a relationship of strife with God. We ought to never want to allow ourselves to be put into that kind of negative relationship with God. But he says, friendship with the world, living a worldly lifestyle, one that is influenced by the devil, he says, that puts you in a position of strife with God. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now think about that. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. And so it, re, it, it reflects upon, it goes along with what we read in verse, in verse 30 of Ephesians chapter four. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. <clears throat> Make up your mind to walk with God in consistent faithfulness and dedication. Again, a mindset that has to be there. Well, let's move on to verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, certainly there are several different negative and sinful behaviors that are laid out there that are enumerated one by one. But again, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those those kinds of speech do not characterize godliness, do not characterize Christianity. They don't characterize that. We look at James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. And again, and what a great, rather short five chapters the book of James is. He writes to the individual Christian, here's your lifestyle that God wants you to live. And it's, it's almost like a shotgun approach. Let me tell you this, let me tell you this, let me tell you this, let me tell you over and over. And he keeps covering different aspects of our Christian life, how God wants us to live. In, verse, in chapter one, verses 19 and 20, James wrote, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, 
For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. How many times does losing our control and bursting out in a fit of anger produce anything good and godly? We need to ask ourselves that. We need to, to recognize the truth that is intimated by that question. So with God's guidance and strength, transform your life. Now I've said many times in teaching, and not just here over the last 23 years, but for many years before I ever moved here to preach and teach, every single one of us has what I call Achilles heel temptations. And those are temptations to which, and for somebody who doesn't know about Achilles in Greek mythology, which means he was not a real character. He was only vulnerable at, in one point on his body. He could go into battle, he could be struck with a sword, but he could not be killed except if he was struck in the heel. And in one battle, the story goes that the archer on the, on, on the wall defending the city against which Achilles and the army was trying to conquer just shot an arrow through the sky, not necessarily aiming at any one particular enemy warrior coming at him, but the arrow hit Achilles in the heel and he was struck dead. That was his only place of vulnerability on his entire body. Now, every single one of us, and I, I believe, I'm telling the truth here, I believe every single one of us, and that's an accurate reference, has a particular temptation or two or three to which we are particularly susceptible of being vulnerable. These are temptations to sin that we really struggle with and probably for most of our life, if not all of our life. That doesn't mean we give in to them. It doesn't mean they overcome us, but, but those are temptations that are particularly strong against us, and we have to really work to stay away from them. We have to really focus our minds and our, and our lives to overcome them and not to give in to them. Well, with God's guidance and strength, we're promised that we can transform our lives. Now we come to the final verse in this text of scripture from Ephesians chapter four. And before we do that, I, I wanna reference what Paul wrote in, in, in Colossians chapter three, verses five through 10, about working with God's strength here to overcome and transform our lives. He's writing this to Christians. And so he says, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he begins to lay, lay a number of the references out. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Anger, but now you yourselves put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man, because when you became a Christian, you made, your, you made up your mind, I'm gonna put off that old man that I used to be in sin. 
You've put off the old man with his deeds. You put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So verse 32, the final verse in our text of scripture. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. We need to remember always when we're dealing with somebody who maybe has done us wrong, maybe hurt us in some way, maybe lied to us, whatever the case might be. We need to remember, I used to be like that. Now, maybe not in the same particulars, but I used to live that sinful life. I used to be guilty of sin, but God forgave me when I came to him through Jesus Christ. When I was baptized for the remission of my sins, God forgave me. I need to be forgiving to other people. I need to be forgiving. When they seek forgiveness, I need to be ready to forgive them. We look at that principle. We need to always remember that just as God forgave me, so I need to be ready to forgive others. Bottom line to being forgiven by God is to be baptized into Christ. When those Jews asked Peter on Pentecost, what shall we do? He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. When Saul was confronted by Ananias, sent by the Lord to teach Saul the gospel, he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Bottom line to being forgiven is to be baptized into Christ. And in that, in that act of obedience, we are buried with him in the waters of baptism. Now, what do you do with dead people? You bury them, don't you? When we are plunged beneath the waters of baptism, we're burying that old man that we used to be, that sinful self that we've decided not to be anymore. And then Jesus arose from that grave alive. When we come up out of the water, we are a new creation. We have been born again. John 3, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 5, and verse 17. We need to understand that's where the new life really takes the transformation. And we begin living that new life in Christ. Two pertinent personal applications, at least, are to be made from this account. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 31. First, recognize, and this is important for each one of us, recognize your personal demons. And I'm not talking about demons from the devil possessing our bodies. I'm talking about the demons of the sin that you are struggling with in your life. Recognize your personal demons, those sins that you're struggling with, that lifestyle that you're trying to overcome. Recognize what's tending to hold you back from that and confront them with God's strength and his presence in your life. Galatians 6 verses 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Recognize your personal demons, those sins that you're struggling with, and don't think you'll ever overcome them without God's help. If you want to be a faithful Christian, you need to get active. And that's, that's the, second, the second personal application from this account. You need to become a faithful Christian. You need to become an active Christian. You can beat the devil, but you need to get actively involved in serving God to beat the devil. You need to walk with God, and that's an active lifestyle to kick the devil out of your life or to have God help you put him out of your, out of your life. Get involved in the works and activities of the church. Be an active Christian, not just one who calls yourself a Christian. Christianity really cannot be a name-only lifestyle. It has to be an active lifestyle. Be that faithful, dedicated Christian. Again, what are we talking about? Basic premise of this particular study. You want to put the devil out of your life? You've got to let God in. You've got to bring God into your life. You've got to make that transition. And if you're walking with God, the devil has no place in your life. Don't let him back in once you make that transition. If you need to come this evening repenting of sin in your life, asking the prayers of the church, we're here. We want to help you. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ to become that new creation, we'll help you this evening. If you need to talk, if you need to study, just ask us. If you need to come, let's come, please come right now as we stand together and sing.